Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. Uh, as Pastor David said, my name is Dan Anthony, and we actually planted a church uh, up in Cleveland back in 2009, and then uh, transitioned in 2020 into uh, more of uh, what I would call a house church model. Uh, we were renting facilities and just felt like this is going to end, so why continue to pay rent in a place? And so we've kind of mobilized into homes pretty quickly and uh, have just kind of continued that on. Uh, the story of Aaron and I go way back uh, almost, I think, to 1998 uh, when Lisa and I would go out and visit our potential fiancés out at Baptist Bible College uh, together. We would carpool out there uh, and back uh, as Aaron and Megan, uh, my wife, was uh, were, were they were finishing up there. Uh, and then we continued that on. We were RAs together um, our last year at uh, BBC. And then uh, uniquely, God has just brought all four of us, um, our spouses and our kids now. Uh, I think uh, Lene is out at Clark Summit University now that it's called. I uh, didn't get a new diploma, so I guess my diploma is no longer good to college. But uh, they, uh, it's just our, the friendship has continued to foster, not only with Aaron and I and our spouses, but also a man named Andrew Postuma, which I think you guys uh, support as missionaries in Romania. He was my roommate, uh, and he indoctrinated me into college life uh, very well. And then also a man named Roddy Hanna, who we all served together as RAs at uh, Baptist Bible College. And so it's been a 25-year history or so uh, with the, all of our families. We get together uh, about every four years when the postmas come home and just kind of catch up and see how life's going. Uh, we started doing Zoom calls together once a week a couple years ago, and that's been fun as well as we kind of catch up more regularly because uh, life happens, right? And one year turns into two, which turns into 10. And then you realize, wow, that's been a long time since we've actually caught up with each other. And so it's been a, just fabulous to see Aaron uh, and Lisa and their kids uh, thrive here in Akron, uh, not too far away from us. Uh, we're only about 40 minutes north. Uh, and uh, it's, just, it's just been a pleasure. Uh, as Aaron took the position here at West Hill, I believe, as the youth pastor a long time ago. And then uh, I was a youth pastor just a little bit up the road on 77 at a church there uh, when we first came back to Cleveland as well. So you have a wonderful uh, staff and a wonderful pastor. And uh, as uh, churches go and church life goes, there's this ebb and flow and one of the things that I think is most important in ministry is just the consistency and the longevity in being in one place at, uh, for a long amount of time. And Aaron and I, uh, he may not even know this, but our philosophies of ministry, although they've taken radically different trails between a house church and an established church and this, that kind of thing, uh, but pouring into the next generation and raising up the next generation. I know that he's done that with David, and I believe your youth pastor as well grew up here, right? Or that was you. Who was the guy I met Wednesday night? Was it Seth? Seth. Okay. He grew up here too, right? Okay. All right. Not too far off. Uh, but as you noticed, uh, Hunter is our 18-year-old. He's graduating this year and heading to Boyce. 
uh, College, which is down in Louisville. Uh, we also have a 20-year-old down in Louisville already at Boyce. Uh, and if you don't, you're not familiar with Boyce, um, that's a part of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, it's the undergrad part of that. And it's just been fun uh, and just, uh, just immensely humbling uh, to watch our kids grow up, the Varner's kids grow up and love uh, the Lord and continue to love the Lord in an era when that's not all that common. So um, it's just been, uh, been neat to be able to step back and have my own son lead us in music and uh, lead us to the throne that way. Uh, if you will, open up in your Bibles to John chapter 14. I just want to share with you uh, one thought or one verse this morning um, as I adjust. These lights are bright. Wow. I'm not used to uh, new lights, I guess. But John chapter 14, verse 27. And this was a time when, there we go, um, Jesus was preparing the disciples, uh, but he wanted to give them a gift before all of the, the uh, interesting things were going to happen in their life over the next several weeks, maybe months, uh, as he headed to the cross and he had the last supper with them and then he died and they didn't know what was going on and he was buried and then he rose from the tomb. And although he spent three years pouring into their life and explaining all these things to them, he still knew that they needed one gift that would endure, not just in the, the few short weeks after Christ died and was, rose again, but also that would endure throughout their life and transcends into our lives today. And so, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. If you know the history of the church, uh, there's a few men, and I would, I would encourage you this morning to latch on to someone uh, that has long since moved on to eternity. Uh, two people that I admire greatly are D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon. So if you uh, listen this morning and you follow those guys closely, you might go, wow. There's a lot of phrases. There's a lot of influence from those two men uh, all the way back to eighth grade. Um, I would track D.L. Moody's sermons and, and read them over and over. Uh, I don't know if you know, but he was the, the beginner, uh, the one that began what's known now as modern day Sunday school or church groups or whatever you call them in the morning. <laughs> Churches call them many, many different things. Uh, but what he would do is he would gather young children on the streets of Chicago on Sunday morning and actually use the Bible as the uh, book in which he would teach young kids to read. And that became Sunday school for those kids. And then kids started coming to Christ. And then his church uh, uh, kind of birthed out of that. And, and then there was just that kind of caught on among, around the country. And so other churches started doing Sunday school. And so he's one of my, uh, my mentors that obviously I never met in person, but longed to one day. And then another gentleman is uh, Charles Spurgeon. And there, there's just a lot of influence. And I think of uh, the song we just sang, How Great Thou Art. Maybe that has influenced you over your lifetime. And one day you'll get to meet the author and find out the ins and outs of well, what drove you to write that song and, and why was it so important to you and many other songs. And so uh, I think it's important for us 
as Jesus did in John chapter 14, he gave them a gift of peace. And we continually go back to Christ, and I think it's important to go back to other people as well and, and latch on to their faith and to what pointed them to Christ and what brought them to the point. And I think here, as Charles Spurgeon points out in John chapter 14, is that Jesus was still alive. May seem pretty elementary. But to the disciples, that was immensely significant. And for us today, as we look back at the, the, the cross and his resurrection, that ought to be uh, life transforming in our lives. As Jesus gives the disciples the gift of peace, he was alive and active in their life. You see, we don't serve a Savior that is dead. Again, that may seem elementary if you've grown up in the faith or if you came to Christ a long time ago. But the reality is, I think... Something that has struck the American church, which Jesus alludes to in, uh, in John chapter 14, verse 27. He alludes when he says at the end of this verse, he says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You see, I think what happens oftentimes is, is we become troubled. We become fearful and we forget that Jesus has given us the gift of peace. As he was about to die and depart from the world and then ascend to the Father, he gives this gift that if you know the story of the Last Supper and moments after that, when Jesus was betrayed and then tortured and beaten, if the disciples can forget about the peace of Christ that quickly, I wonder how often we do or we forget too as followers of Christ. You see, we rest oftentimes in the truth that Jesus is our Savior. But how often do we forget that he is also our Lord? That as we proceed through this Christian life, what I call Christianitis sets in. We tend to forget some of the most elementary truths of Jesus and of the scriptures like this, that Jesus said, my peace I give you. And he reminds the disciples though, and this is very important, I do not give to you as the world gives, which means the world can offer some sort of peace, some form of it, but it is radically different and falls immensely short of the peace that Jesus offers. You see, when people leave a will behind, it's because they've died, right? They're buried under cold sod. And then their will and testament is read to all. And I often wonder, because of Christianitis, if we treat Jesus the same way, that when it comes to peace... We forget that we serve a Savior, a Lord, who is alive and active in our life. That his will of peace is alive and active and ongoing in our lives. And it forces us to look at our own life and <clears throat> come to the realization or come to the, the process of thinking through 
Am I serving Jesus because he's alive and active? Do I really believe that truth? Because we worry, right? We're fearful. And Jesus reminds his disciples that they don't have to be. That their hearts don't have to be troubled. And yet, they were. (laughs) The disciples became very fearful moments after Jesus' death. Maybe their lives would be hunted down and, and murdered. What are we to do now that our rabbi is gone, just like every other rabbi before him? At least for those days that Jesus was in the tomb. This Jesus died and left his will of a gift of peace. But yet, I'm not full of peace right now. There's a lot of turmoil going in my life. And you might be sitting there going, yeah, my life was similar to the disciples after his crucifixion. You don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah, but this is going on and I got a job situation and I've got kids that are walking away from the Lord or you just don't understand. And I would say to that, or my response would be, yeah, but do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14? His peace he gives to us. And we don't have to fret or worry because Jesus will and testament, at least part of it, was giving us peace. And you may sit and wonder, well, yeah, but how does that flesh out in my life? Well, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, where Jesus tells the story of the talents. And one man went and buried it and left it there, thinking they were doing the best thing. And I wonder sometimes, in order to protect his money or to protect his own reputation and not lose the one talent that he was given, he buried it in the sod. And how often do we do that with the gift of peace? Well, we know what Jesus says, but we're going to bury it and leave it there and walk away, which is what you do with stuff you bury, right? Rather than keep it close to us. Not knowing what true peace from Jesus Christ is. Because we've buried that talent and walked away. You see, God has an infinite amount of peace that he offers between his people and him. That the whole universe echoes. I think of Job chapter 5 verse 23. It says, for you have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Infinite amount of peace is what Jesus offers. However, our self get in the way. We cloud the peace of Christ because we don't understand or we've buried that peace in the ground and walked away. And we haven't drawn it near to our hearts. As Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. He doesn't say, hey, I know what's going on in your world. I know that there's a lot of turmoil out in the Roman Empire right now. And he doesn't explain away all the things going on in society. He goes directly to their heart and encourages their heart to not let it be troubled or fearful. 
You see, the Lord refers to a peace that is infinite. One that is out of this world and cannot be obtained apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, God in his infinite amount of peace between mankind and him, the whole universe proclaims that there is a peace that comes from God. Which can, once we accept Christ as our Savior, reign in our hearts through Jesus Christ. Not something dead or buried underneath the sod of a cold winter. You see, I wonder if at times our lack of peace comes because we have walked away from Jesus as our Lord. Oh yes, he is our Savior and we cannot lose our salvation. Once we're bound in eternity unto salvation, no one can take that away. But have we bowed both knees? Have we bowed the other knee to Jesus as our Lord and remind ourselves when their turmoil of life is coming of Scripture, like 2 Corinthians 5.18, which states, He has put away all the wall which separated us from Jehovah, and now there is peace on earth, goodwill toward men, as we're reminded around the holidays, right? For 333 days of the year, we forget of the proclamation that was given at the birth of Christ. And for 30 days, roughly, we celebrate peace and goodwill toward men. The legacy that Jesus left his disciples in John chapter 14, but his life also began with that kind of a peace. You see, God not only gives us the peace and reconciles us between him and us, but that same peace that our heart won't get troubled and will not live a fearful life also permeates the relationships we have horizontally with mankind as well. That's why believers can go through death and not be fearful. They can go through death and their heart not be troubled. You see, when sin is put away, when we're sealed by salvation then there is no warfare on this earth that can steal our eternity. But yet how many often is maybe our joy stolen because we've buried that talent in the ground. We've set peace aside and allowed the things of this world to crowd in on us. You see, the legacy that Christ leaves unfolds in two sorts of ways our peace between God and man, but also our peace among other brothers and sisters because we serve a God, a Christ, who is alive and active in our life. He isn't some distant creator that just left us to ourselves. That's why in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom we also have received atonement. You see, I propose that as the Holy Spirit infiltrates our heart and transforms us from the inside out, he transforms our hearts. You see, there's a secret groundwork of peace that must be done between us and God first, alone, in private, that brings about salvation. 
a turning from our life, the way we were living, and a turning towards God. And that reconciles us to him and brings us at peace eternally because we have no longer have to fear spiritual death. But then there's also the moment where we have to cultivate peace in our own lives. Where it is our responsibility as followers of Christ to continue to remind ourselves of all the scripture and all the stories that Christ told his disciples and others that were following him about what it looks like to embrace a life of peace and not allow that which is going on in the world to infiltrate and to steal our joy. Because it's the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. And maybe... Your unbelieving friends or co-workers, when they ask, how do you have peace in this situation? The best answer is to say, I have no idea. Other than I have a personal relationship with Christ. We don't try to explain it away. And, oh, well, I've got this big retirement fund, so my, my job really doesn't mean anything. Or if I lose my job, oh, well, you know, I've got this other thing over here that I can do or whatever. No, it's a peace that comes from God alone. Because it affects every part of our life. You see, peace continues to permeate just like seeds planted in the soil will grow. So will peace in your life. Whether you're wondering about where you're going to work tomorrow, or maybe you're a young person wondering if God will ever provide a spouse, or maybe you're in a relationship wondering, is this my future spouse? Or maybe your spouse has gone on to be with the Lord and you're wandering around in pain. And although the mourning process and that wondering is natural and we ought to embrace that, that too is a biblical truth. When we go, after we go through the mourning process, we can come back to Jesus' words here in John chapter 14. That I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And one day, I'm looking forward to be reunited with my spouse. You see, there's something about peace that it can be stolen from us. I think that's why Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You see, Satan is prowling around and he would love nothing more than to steal your peace. And when we walk around defeated in the area of peace, what we're really communicating is that God punished Christ on the cross for our sins. And we believe that. but that he'll also punish me for my lack of peace. That he forgot, that God at some point forgot that what Christ paid on the cross maybe isn't complete. Although we know that not to be true because we read the scriptures, that's the way we live. And we take maybe just one of the nails off the cross and we pound it into ourselves because we beat ourselves up or we live life as if Christ's blood wasn't enough. But we're reminded by the scriptures that his atonement 
was complete once and for all. You see, I don't think we're that far off of the Jewish heritage. I'm a Gentile. I know that. I have no Jewish blood in me whatsoever. But at times, I think we live as if we're Jewish. That we have to sacrifice that lamb over and over again. As they did all throughout the Old Testament. And although they don't sacrifice animals anymore, they have other forms. The Jewish people have other forms of atoning for their sins. And so we sacrifice our joy. Or we sacrifice life sometimes. Because we haven't embraced the peace that only Christ can give. Rather than trembling when we look to the cross and fighting the fight to lay troubled hearts, to lay our anxiety at the foot of the cross where Christ paid for it once and for all. And that we no longer have to fear a lack of peace in our life, no matter how old we are. If we're six years old and maybe there's a bully at school or we're 80 years old and week after week there's a loneliness that comes that we both can embrace a peace that only comes from Christ. Divinely given, divinely poured out and divinely nourished in our lives. In a way that our heart can be full of the peace of Christ. You see, the fight of the Christian fight is very real. But our enemies cannot take our peace away. We can give it up at times. But poverty can't destroy it. Rags or riches can't take it away. Sickness cannot mar it. But oh, how wonderful it is when the follower of Christ allows the peace of Christ to ignite in their hearts, to burn vibrantly in our souls, to transform every part of how we respond to the world, what comes out of our mouth, what we look at with our eyes where we go with our feet, what we do with our hands is transformed because Jesus said, peace I live, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And then in verse 28, he says, you have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. You see, we, just like the disciples, ought to be holding on to the return of Christ that he promises them in John chapter 14. And that truth also ought to bring us peace. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sin. That you sent Jesus to instruct and to live with the disciples. 
And Father, may we be satisfied with the peace that comes from Jesus Christ alone. Amen.